who's encouraged of the Lord. The Lord really touched me, and I was reminded of a principle in the Lord. I was reminded of this. I want you to say it out loud with me. Everybody say, the inside, outside, upside down, kingdom. The inside, outside, upside down kingdom. I was in worship on Friday night, and the Lord just spoke that to me during worship. And I was reminded, yes, Lord, that, in fact, he began to say some things to me. The way up is down, and the way out is in. And I have a list here of some other things that I'm going to expound on. But the way up is down, not down to hell but down in humility, right? We lower ourselves down to go up. And if we want out, where do we go? We need to go in. You want to get out of your situation, we need to get into his presence. And so I just want to begin with this. It says in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus says there, Jesus is speaking, and it says, my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Everybody say, the kingdom I'm a part of is not earthly. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And we see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, that the devil took Jesus to a high peak, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. It says that Satan showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. Everybody say, this world. Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world. And Satan, who believes that if the Bible says that Jesus was tempted, that he was tempted. All right, is the Bible a liar? All right, so maybe we think that's impossible. How could Jesus really be tempted? He's the Son of God. My Bible says he was tempted, which means what? He was tempted. And so the temptation, even for Jesus, the Son of God, is the appeal of the kingdoms of this world. This world is appealing because we're going to get into this, but Jesus had been lowered down. He had become flesh for a season. And your flesh craves the things of flesh. Even Jesus, the Son of God, it was presented to him. Now, Jesus does not choose what Satan has to offer, does he? Because Jesus knew inside of himself what he was going to say later in time, but it was already in him that Satan, what you're showing me, is not really real. It is a time in history that is going to be rolled up like a scroll, that everything that you think you can present me is temporary, and the kingdom that I have is eternal, praise the Lord. And so the Bible says, in the very same chapter, just a few verses later, Matthew 4, verse 17, right? Just take your eyes, look at Matthew 8, and just roll your eyes down just a few verses, and here we are in verse 17, it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Satan tried to offer him the kingdoms of this world, but Jesus began to preach about the kingdom of heaven. I just want you to say it out loud. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we need to say it out loud. Sometimes we need to be sat down by the Lord and reminded of some principles that are so easy to forget. Who is just like me, and you leave this church, and suddenly you're in traffic, you're at home, you're at work this week, and the world which surrounds you so easily consumes you. It's not that you forgot God. It's not that you don't love him. It's not, you're not, I'm not even denying the, I'm spending prayer time. I'm spending worship time with him. I'm in my word, but still the world is so oppressive. There's so much that it requires of you. You can't help but think worldly. And I'm not saying thinking worldly like ungodly, I mean, when I say worldly, I mean your mind is just thinking and focusing on things that you have to do, things that you must get in order, whatever that means, right, for, you know, next month or next year, and these are all natural things and doctor's visits and paying bills and kids in school and so on. Those aren't evil things on the surface, but there is a worldliness that we can be sucked into, we can get into this, this pattern of in this world versus the kingdom of heaven, which is opposite. And so I'm going to get into that today. It says in Matthew chapter 5, it's just a chapter later, Jesus is now in the Beatitudes. Who loves the Beatitudes? Right? There's so much life in them, and you could, uh, you could spend uh, probably years just trying to let the Lord work those things out of you, just, just the Beatitudes alone. You don't even need the whole Bible. You just look at the Beatitudes and let the Lord work those things in you, and you will be a perfect vessel. He says so much in those few verses, doesn't he? And he says this in verse 19. Jesus said, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But, everybody say but, because Jesus is giving us an offer, right? That's why there's a but here. He's telling you, but you don't need to do that. There's a but here because he's saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. Anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Satan wants you to be great in the kingdom of the world. And he offers, look at, the, look at his pawns. I've mentioned this many times, but look at the pawns of Satan on this earth who have become so great. Do you ever stop and just think about how uh, elegant elegant is? You know what's funny? We live here in kind of a, a small town, right? We don't, we don't live in the smallest town in America. But we live in kind of a small area. And then you ever just hear about some of the things that the rich do or the rich have? You ever just listen to some of the things that they, that they do for like in their time? And I'm not talking about anything weird or gross. I'm just mean the excessiveness. Like what caviar costs, you know, just sit there and say I'm eating eggs, right? You know, per ounce. Is it that good? Or is it just something you need to do because you can because you're at that status? 
Things like literally plating your ceiling in gold. Imagine that. You know, we get excited about a gold ring, gold earrings. These people are plating their ceilings in gold. Then they get bored and they start plating their yachts in gold. Elijah went down to the Bahamas. He was very fortunate to be blessed with that trip. But he's down there and he hears about this guy who he flies down from New York. He leaves his boat down there, his yacht, but he doesn't travel on it. It's just there as a place to stay. So he flies down and has his crew get their yacht ready just so he can then look cool on the deck as people are walking by that he's on his yacht. Anyway, I don't want to, I'm not going to get into, I'm not spending any more time in this. My point is that the kingdoms of this world, that's where it goes. It might start with you just being busy with the kids because they got soccer, all right? But you, you keep pursuing the things of this world, and that's what it becomes. They're, that's all you've got. The reason they do that is they get to a place, and it's like, well, what else is there? What's, there's... What else? There's nothing left, right? So then they start taking trips to space, right? SpaceX. And then it was awful what happened, but then they're like, let's go down and see the Titanic, right? A million dollars a ticket. And they didn't make it on this last trip. That's unfortunate. But that's the stuff that these guys, they don't know what else to do. We are part of the kingdom of heaven. We have a plan and we have a purpose. We are not aimless, are we? We are not purposeless, and it's one thing to be in this world, and it's one thing to be diligent. I've been praying to the Lord this, these exact words, something, well, uh, not these exact words, but the exact phrases from the Bible. I said, Lord, help me to be like the ant. You know, the Lord Jesus said that the ant was diligent, and he noted it, all right? So there's a point of being diligent. Lord, help me to occupy till you come. Who knows that? But Lord, help me not, at the same time, to be so worldly, I need to be diligent, I need to occupy, but Lord, I need to be focused on the kingdom of heaven. That's what is real. And so Jesus said, in order for you to be great in the kingdom of heaven, which must be something that matters for Jesus to tell us that there's going to be least and there's going to be greatest, that might be something to pay attention to. You know, it's so foolish, there's a, there's a, a funny, <laughs> you know what, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. You know, we could, we could be so short-sighted, right? We could take an offer right in front of us because it's instant, or we can wait for the long haul, something that will last for eternity. Don't take the instant. I'm going to just leave it at that. But he says, I warn you, verse 20, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we have the least, we have the greatest, and then we have entering the kingdom of heaven. And he says that there were religious who were living on the earth, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious of the day that Jesus is walking the earth in, they were supposedly the highest you could get to in religion. They were the ones who you know, we're, we're supposed to be closest to God and then bringing his messages and the message, the word, the law from the spirit of the Lord uh, to the people. And Jesus says, they're not even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Your righteousness must be better than theirs. And there are teachings, I get it, you know, that basically there is no one righteous, I get it, but many will say, well, this is just saying that it's, it's impossible. Some have said that means this means that no one can make it It's because it's only through Christ. I disagree. I don't think that that's what this scripture means. I don't think he's, he's, I don't think what Jesus is saying is that uh, he's showing how impossible it is to enter the kingdom of heaven uh, and that, um, and that this is, this is something where, where, where Paul talks about this, the grace that we have and that we are freed from the law. I believe that uh, people start kind of mixing and trying to twist up things. What Jesus is saying here, sorry, I'm thinking of too many things at once. I don't need to break down everybody else's teachings, but this is the point that Jesus is saying. You must follow my ways. He's not saying here you're freed from the law. He's saying they weren't doing the law. I mean, we are freed from the, the legalities of the law. Do you get it? Because what he, how many times does he point out to them that they were whitewashed sepulchers? You are a brood of serpents, right? You know, you're a, you're, you're a, a den of snakes. What he's saying is, is that they act like they know me, but really, internally, they are worldly. That's what he's saying. They put on the facade. They, they go through the motions of being religious, and yet they don't even know me. So Jesus says that we must know him and obey him. Praise the Lord. The Bible says so many things that are just so opposite of this world. And I just have a little list here for us. I'm probably going to do this again next week. But so just listen here and, and I'll, I'll definitely read this more than once. But the way up is down. The way out is in. The way to be filled is to be empty. The way to receive is to give. The way to be strong is to be weak. The way to live is to die. The way to be great is to be least. The way to be first is to be last. The way to be honored is to serve. The way to be forgiven is to forgive. The way to share Christ's glory is to suffer. The way to have faith is to let go. The way to be wise is to be a fool. The way to know God is to become a child. And these are just some concepts. There are many others. There are other concepts like this. Instead of only loving your friends and family, that's what the world does, love your enemy. In fact, Jesus says, don't just love them, turn the other cheek to them. Give to, give, when they ask for you, ask something of you, give them more than even they're asking. We can see in his word that Jesus cared more about the heart and what's inside than the outward appearance of religion. The world says, me, myself, and I. Everything is my happiness, my satisfaction, even my name, my lineage, you know, my, my identity. Jesus lived and taught selflessness, no identity. Instead of living your life in pursuit of riches like our culture, our true inheritance is in heaven and not on this earth. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, 
and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I think that that's the altar call we should give. The altar call is not anybody who wants a better life come forward. The altar call is it's a narrow road, it's difficult, only a few find it. And why? Why is that? Was Jesus saying I'm hard to find? Of course he's not. Jesus is right here. He's available and 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 he has been presented through your life, right? Think of how many people you have presented the gospel to in your life that have rejected you. And they're going to stand before his throne, and they're going to say, but wait, I didn't know. And he's going to roll the tape, and he's going to say, you didn't know? Because here's when I presented myself to you. Here's when you said, God, I'll follow you if you save me from this situation, and you didn't keep your word. Here's when... I showed you miracle after miracle after miracle, even though maybe the church or the world doesn't call them miracles, but you saw the birth of your child right here. You saw me do this in your family. You saw me give you everything and protect you your entire life, and so on and so on and so on. And then later in your life, someone said, turn your life to Jesus, and you said, why do I need Jesus? I already have everything I need. The world doesn't want to submit to God, submitting to him and to his ways. That's what it comes down to. The only reason it's narrow is purely because no one wants to submit to his ways. It's not that Jesus is not available. Jesus is available to all, and he's easy to find. We just don't want to do what he says. And Jesus says... A lot of things the word says more than ever right as we continue to progress into this future we are in right now you will see that the word of God is going to get even further you're going to see this opposite thing that we find that the kingdom of God is opposite of the kingdom of the of this world it's going to keep change it's going to become black and white it will be light and darkness like it says, but it's going to become more and more apparent. It's always been black and white. It's always been light and darkness. But who can see it more in your lifetime now than you did when you were younger? Who can see that the word, man, you could say you were a Christian. You could say you were a Christian just 20 years ago, and not everybody would agree with you, but no one would hate you like they do now. You say you're a Christian now, and it is just utter hatred towards you. Hatred. That's changed. Who has noticed that change? And so this is going to continue, and that's the only reason it's narrow. It's that I don't want him. I don't want his ways. All that Jesus was is the epitome of love. That's all he was. And that's all his message is, is love. This sacrificial love on the cross that all you need to do is come and believe on him, give your life to him, and he'll take you into eternity, and we turn this world and hate him for that? Tell me that that's not Satan, that's not darkness. But I want to uh, just, again, you know, today we're not really going super, super deep um, because it's a lot here, but... I'll just say it this way. It's because 
uh, there is a spirit inside you. You have a spirit. Everybody say, I have a spirit, but I live in a body, right? You have a spirit, but you also have a mind. Whoever, you know, the old cartoon, right? The devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. Obviously, that's just a very simple child picture, but honestly, it's not too far from the truth. The only difference is the devil doesn't need to sit on your shoulder. you got your own mind sitting right there. He's just whispering into it, and you're listening to him. And the Holy Spirit is over here since the time. Who can testify that since you were a child, you're like, I always knew that God was real. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what was right and wrong, but something inside me, right? I've heard this testimony so many times. Even though it was misdirected and misguided, right? I've heard people preaching at the bars, right? Getting saved and still getting high because the Lord was still working on them, right? And there was a pathway the Lord was taking them on, right? But meanwhile, it was the Holy Spirit shaping and molding and doing something in their life, and they're making these choices con continually to listen to him versus listening to the devil speaking through your mind. And it is simply that simple. It is that your inclination, every inclination inside you, wants to do opposite. In fact, I summed it up this way. If you want to do what Jesus says, if you want to understand this inside, outside, upside-down kingdom, it's so simple. I'll just sum it up like this. Basically, just do the opposite of whatever your flesh wants to do. If your flesh wants to react, just do the opposite, and you're probably doing what Christ wants you to do. Because everything in your nature, this is what the Bible says in Romans 8. Romans 8, it says, verse 2, we belong to him. That's the power of the life-giving spirit. He's freed us from sin and leads to death. We could get more into that. But right this minute, I just want us to see that we do have the Holy Spirit. He's freed us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, verse 1. But it says that God has declared an end to sin's control, verse 3, because of Christ's sacrifice. But verse 5 says, this is all, the reason I'm reading those verses, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. You realize that Romans 8, he is talking to Christians because he says, you are, there's, you're not condemned, the Holy Spirit is with you, and he's freed you. But those dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You may know it as flesh and spirit, right? Your translation or your teaching, flesh and spirit, sinful nature, and the Holy Spirit. So letting your sinful nature or your flesh control your mind. Everybody say, I'm not letting my nature control my mind. Because the Bible says that leads to death. But letting the spirit, which is your spirit aligned with the Holy Spirit, I'm letting that control my mind, and this leads to life and peace. I want to say this. You must 
choose to do what's right. It is not God who does right for you or through you. You must choose it. In the same way that you chose to follow him to begin with, the Lord did not force anyone to fall down at the altar and to repent. He certainly, if I was God, because I'd want to see everybody saved, I would force everyone. And then I would find out quickly in my simplicity that, wait a second, if I'm forcing them, they don't really love me. They don't really want to be with me, do they? And so God, we, don't, we need to just step back and let God be God and let things we don't understand be things we don't understand. But he lets us have a free will. He lets us choose because he wants a people that would really love him. And in the same way, it is not by your power. I want you to say it out loud. It's not by my power, but it is my choice. It's not your power, but it's your choice. You know, the Lord makes it so easy for us to follow his ways. He does. There is no way that before sin that you have not heard the Holy Spirit speak to you. You cannot deny that the Holy Spirit did not give you a way of escape. You just don't want to listen. When we do what we want to do, it's that we justify, we compromise, we say, well, that doesn't apply to me. We make up excuses. The word is archaic. We say, that's cultural, that's language, that's textual, that's Hebrew, or whatever. And we make excuses. But the Holy Spirit is leading us. He is prompting us constantly to do what he has asked of us. It says, verse 5, those controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I noticed something, and I didn't intend to notice it. Uh, it's funny how I'm, I was preaching on pursuing God and these last three weeks about seeking God out, that he's there to be found, call on him, he'll answer, and so on. And I, I pointed us to, to end the sermon last week, to Josiah. But something's been like in my spirit, like a, like a grain of sand inside of a clam, right? It irritates the clam, so the clam forms a pearl, right? The Lord has something inside you. It's not that it irritates in a bad way, but he, he's something in there it's like you just can't get rid of, and it's because he's trying to build a pearl in you. He's trying to show you something. Something is in that, and, and I noticed something, and it was King Josiah. He wanted to make things right. Everybody say, Josiah wanted to do right. He had good intentions. Everybody say good intentions. I haven't made you guys follow me in a long time, maybe like a line or two recently. I've been, so, so today's a lot, but it, you guys have gotten a break. Josiah had good intentions. He did. The Bible says that he started working on restoring the neglected temple of the Lord. He had intentions to 
bring the presence of God back into the land and to make things right that had been abandoned by his parents, right? And so he's, he's, he has the right heart. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. And it says something very, very interesting that while they're cleaning out the temple, they said, we found the book of the law. Now, he had good intentions already, but the Bible says that when Josiah read it, he tore his clothes and he repented for his own actions, for the nation, for his ancestors, and so on, that the land had been suffering the consequences of not doing what the book of the law said. You know how many churches would have... have Took and jo taken Josiah aside and corrected him, told him, you don't need to repent. Look at you. You're already following God. Look at these things you've been doing for the Lord. Why are you mourning and repenting? You don't, there's no further and deeper repentance. It's done. You already have the heart of God. Something happened when he heard the law of the Lord, something inside of him. See, you know, it takes, it's like this. Really, you don't come to the Lord unless you're drawn. Who knows that that's what the Bible says. So the Holy Spirit begins to prompt, right? Some of you, your, life's turned into, your life turned into a tornado. That's the prompting you needed. Some of you, though, it's just this constant voice, right? You're hearing it everywhere you go this mysterious Jesus, or your life could, there's a, there, there's a change, you could, you could make a change in this life that you're seeing is, is not uh, fulfilling, and you see that there's a hole, and so on, so you, so really though, is his prompting already, and then you humble yourself, you lower your heart, and you let God in, so you see that it was him first, but it was your choice to listen. And now your heart must remain soft so that the same process that at every single prompt, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm talking about being great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm talking about doing the opposite of your flesh because we are already more righteous than the Pharisees because we're not putting on a facade. We really want God. But how, do we, how are we great in heaven? How are we going to be uh, uh, the least here and then first there? Well, it's very simple. It's letting the Holy Spirit take his word. That's the key. He takes his word and he shows it to you. And you have a choice. How are you going to respond? Now, it was only, it's very, very sad, but just some generations later, this is the whole Old Testament. It's very hard to read. It's very hard to read the Old Testament, isn't it? To read the story of the kings. It's just so disheartening. And then at the same time, I can just look right here, 2023, and I get just, just, just as disheartened by, you know, the comings and goings of people. Some people love the Lord. Some people hate the Lord. They did love the Lord. Now they hate him. They hate him. Now they love him. They follow him. Now they don't follow him, and so on. And it's very disheartening, isn't it, sometimes? We all have a choice. It's not just good intentions. 
His heart was already after the Lord, but then the word directed him on how to do what his heart wanted to do. Now, we are freed from the legalities of the law, but God still has a way. Why would Jesus go into the Beatitudes? Why would he go into this, right, in Romans 8 for us to read for all time if the sinful nature some, and some people do. Some people say, well, he's just showing that without Christ, this is what it looks like, and with Christ, this is what it looks like. And I believe that he has given us so many things to follow because he wants what's best for you. The Lord wants what's best for you. This is not about salvation. I think some things, some things can be. That's why he's pointing it out. You know, you could become a Pharisee. You could become a Sadducee, and this is a salvation thing. Just acting religious is not enough. But as far as being led by him and doing what he's asked of you, it's for your best. It's not really... His position in heaven doesn't change. He is always going to be God. If you don't glorify him, guess what? He's still glorified. In fact, if no one on earth glorifies him, he said, that's fine, that's not what I want, but creation itself will glorify me. Wow, we ran out of time. That was fast. Maybe it's not fast for you sitting there. I want to know what it's like sitting there, because you might be like, man, is he done yet? And I'm always looking at that clock, saying, how'd I get there? It's no accident, and it's no coincidence that they found the law. It wasn't by accident. It's not by coincidence. This is, and it's so simple. It's so simple. He went seeking God. And guess what he found? He found God. But you can't go seeking God and think you're going to find God the way you want to find God. See, that's what they had been doing. They wanted God, but they also wanted Baal and Asherah and all the other stuff, right? Those were false gods. I want a little bit of worldliness. Here we are. We're back to Satan's kingdom now. Connecting the Old Testament and New. This is Satan's kingdom and the kingdom of heaven. I want a mixture. This is what Satan was really offering Jesus. You can still be the son of God and have the kingdoms of this world, which was a lie. That doesn't work that way, but that's what he was offering him, right? Because Jesus knew who he was. Here's the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't work that way. Josiah goes on a rampage to destroy worldliness. That's what the law that's what the Lord led him to. And you see this circle, right? The right heart, God sees it. It was him prompting it to begin with. God had already positioned this. He responds. So then he seeks God. God gives him the law. Then he responds to the law. And then he, he creates an atmosphere for God's glory to come back in to his temple. So it was always God. And yet there was a lot of action on his part. Like I said, I'll get more deeper into this, but the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, you may know it as, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the NLT actually translates it as, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. And I think either is valid. Either translation is valid because it's not knowledge, right? The Bible says knowledge does what? It puffs up. 
right? So it's not knowledge for sake of knowledge. You can know the word. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew the word, and all they were was puffed up because they just had it in their head as knowledge. But applied knowledge, this is knowing God, knowing him keeps us from destruction. My people are destroyed because they don't know me. You've forgotten the laws of your God, so I will forget to bless your children. Wow. God is good, isn't he? God is so amazing, and he's calling us to know him in a deeper way. That's where he's calling us. He's calling us to be spirit people, to be kingdom people, to be heaven-minded people. It is, the last thing I'll say to close is that it's not just for our good. His glory stays the same. I'm not changing that. But there is one other thing. When we listen to the flesh, this little devil on our shoulder over the Holy Spirit prompting us, don't think this only affects me. I'll take the consequences on myself like some sort of lie from Satan, and I'll deal with this, or in time I'll make things right. That's a lie. You are the only light that God has in this world. You were saved because somebody else was the light, and that is the only way that the people around you are going to see Christ is by you. And if we are dealing with ourselves, especially if we say, if we confess out loud that we're believers, but we're listening to this other voice, it is creating not only hell for you and chaos in your life, but you are giving an example that will be so confusing for those that are trying to actually seek God. Amen? So the Lord's leading us in this way because the darker it gets, the light will get brighter, but it will be few. It'll be brighter, but it will be by less and less. But we want to be of those, don't we? We want to be the few. We're going to stay on the narrow, right? We're going to be a kingdom people. We are not of this world. And I could get to so many more things. We will. But just praise the Lord. We'll just pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word. And I just pray that, Lord, as you begin to teach us again, Lord, just remind us of these basics, these principles, Lord, of your word. I thank you, Lord, that we are not of this world. This is an upside-down kingdom. Lord, we are humble. We are low. We are selfless. I thank you, Jesus, and this is so opposite of the world, but I thank you, Lord. Your word says that that's what makes us greats in heaven. That's what makes us honored in heaven. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Our pursuit is not those things, but I thank you, Lord, to love you and to trust you and follow you. And those are just, Lord, that's just you rewarding in the way that you do, Lord. That's not our, our desire. But, Lord, our desire is just to follow you. So we just give you praise and honor and glory this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.